Welcome to the SBS Volta Espana podcast with Zwift. Last year in the Volta, we saw Zwift Academy winner Jay Vine come close to a stage win, and this year another Zwift Academy winner, Neve Bradbury, performed brilliantly at the Giro d'Ona, finishing 12th overall. Well, it's all about to kick off again. Registrations are open, and the Zwift Academy starts on the 12th of September. Importantly, it's not just about elite riders chasing a pro contract. Anyone can take part. The Zwift Academy, it features six structured workouts over four weeks. And after you've graduated, Zwift will share workout and training recommendations based on your results. It's a great way to find your strength and go further. So if you want to dive in and start riding with a free seven-day trial, head to Zwift.com. Now here's Christoph and Maka with the SBS Volta Espana Zwift podcast. Bonjour, bonjour, buenas tardes, all the way from Spain. This is our first episode uh, preview show of the Vuelta 2022. We are ready for another uh, loop in the Grand Tour and we'll be here with you every day, all the way, even on rest days, uh, because we will have, of course, the rest day ride with Zwift. Joining me is my brother from another mother. That's how I call him. Dave McKenzie, how are you, Dave? <laughs> I am very good. Um, mate, you've jumped the gun because I believe it's still morning where you are, my friend. So it's, it, is, it is, in fact, not Buenos Tardes, it's Buenos Dias. And Absolutely. I'm very jealous of your backdrop. I've done the best to create, you know, something pretty homey here. But, um, mate, good to see you again. And can you believe it? It is the third Grand Tour. Some, we might argue at times it's our favourite one of the year, but looking forward to it. Absolutely, and there's so much to play, uh, to so much at play for this uh, for this Grand Tour. We will discuss all this uh, today. Joining us as well is uh, all the way uh, from Canberra is Gracie Elvin. How are you, Gracie? Yeah. Bonjour, Christophe, and hello, Maka. So good to see you guys again. It feels like I just saw you yesterday after being in France, and it's it's awesome to be back. And I can't believe it's the third third Grand Tour already for the year. So uh, there's so much, as I said, to, to play on for, for this Tour de, uh, Tour de France. I was going to say, see, I'm still in the mood uh, for this Tour of Spain, the Vuelta Espana. Uh, Maka, you know that Tour very well. Uh, you've commentated on it. You've done it several times as a commentator. Uh, why is it so different? As a, as a, it's got a different taste, that Vuelta. Well, the food tastes different. We know that, don't we? <laughs> yeah, of course, it's in Spain, although it does start in the Netherlands, first three stages. But look... It is like the country itself. It's more laid back. It's more chilled. Um, the crowds aren't as big as the Tour de France or the Giro d'Italia, for that matter. But the racing itself is full gas. The stages are slightly shorter. They're more dynamic. And look, in recent years, many pundits, many fans, and even us have argued that it's becoming the most exciting of the three Grand Tours because of the way it's raced. So for us commentating it and for the fans watching it, it feels more laid back. But for the riders, I think it's anything but that. It's pretty full on. The one thing the riders get is that, you know, smaller crowds at the end and at the start. So they're not as sort of, you know, feel like they're getting sort of um, in a pressure cooker, if you like. But it's a great race and looking forward to getting it underway. And Gracie, you, you lived in Spain, so you know how crazy, how nuts the, the Spaniards are also about cycling. That's right. I, I, I really equate the three Grand Tours to the people of those countries. 
the Giro is sometimes a bit chaotic and unpredictable and, and passionate like the Italians are. The Tour de France is its own beast. It's just a whole nother thing and we got to experience that recently. And the Vuelta is more of a relaxed tour, much like the Spanish and a lot of Australians love living in Spain. I know I love living in Girona. Um, it's just much more suited to the Australian, I guess, personality, a bit more laid back. But it's it's I'm agreeing with Mac. I think it's you know an exciting tour because you just not don't quite know what you're going to get. There's a lot of people coming for their last chances for the season to get big results. It's uh, some people are coming because they didn't get the tour that they wanted and, and some people are building towards worlds and some people are trying to get a contract for next year. So I'm really looking forward to what we're going to see today. But looking at the start list, it's it's going to be a very interesting tour. So I think that they're going to need as much of the relaxed attitude of the Spanish as they can to get them through this wild three weeks. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Someone that didn't have a great chance uh, at the Tour de France is Luke Durbridge. Uh, he went down with COVID. He actually went down quite badly with COVID. He told me in, in an interview he, he, was go, uh, he got sick for about 10 days uh, and, and quite badly sick as well. But he's now back in shape, back in form. He's happy to be here. Let's listen to him. He's ready to go. I'm feeling really good. Uh, it's actually my first Tour of Spain, uh, Vuelta España. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, we haven't had a Grand Tour start with the team's time trial in many years now. So that's another thing I'm really looking forward to. Uh, and we have a really good group. Um, we have five, five Australians, which is, which is, uh, which is a big, uh, a big contingent. So a lot of banter on the dinner table, but, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really good. I'm really excited and, um, ready to get going from this, from this, you know, everything seems the same. We've uh, got the same protocols leading in and still got the COVID processes and then we get in early, got team presentations. So it's all pretty, pretty standard. Um, but yeah, I mean, I know a lot of riders who've done the Tour of Spain um, beforehand, and they sort of tell me there's uh, it's hot, a lot of uphills. Um, but I think you know, racing every race these days is so bloody hard that you uh, you can't really avoid that. So yeah, I have a lot of experience in Grand Tours, so maybe I'm not expecting, maybe not any super surprises after being in the peloton for quite some time. But uh, I think the heat's going to be one big thing. Uh, it's been a bit of a heat wave in Spain recently, so. It's going to be going to be bloody hot, um, and I'm looking forward to working with some young guys. We've got two guys in our team uh, that their first Grand Tours, so you know to work with them and to you know I guess share a little bit of experience will be will, will be good. And um, yeah, I think for me also I felt a little bit empty-handed, you know, not finishing the Tour de France out with COVID. Uh, so I had a bit of a time to recover, and then uh, I was a bit of a last-minute call up for the Vuelta, and team called me, and I thought. With the squad we have here, with the team's time trial, um, also leading into the Worlds and the World Championships in in uh, Wollongong in Australia, I think it would be a really good uh, platform for that as well. And um, with a good time trial here as well. So there's a lot of pluses to, to do the Vuelta. And uh, I sort of jumped at the chance to uh, to join the group up here in Utrecht. And um and we hop into it on Friday. So Friday is today. There's so much to to, to talk about this uh, this interview with uh, with Luke Durbridge. Uh, uh, but first of all, Maka, when we think about the experience Durbo brings to the team, and we'll talk about the team time trial in a second. But overall, having someone like Durbo in a team like this, there's Lucas Hamilton as well. We'll talk about him in a second. But Durbo is becoming the real road captain for Bike Exchange. Yeah, he is. I mean, look, he started his pro contract with bike exchange it's it's like you know when you talk about code of footballs and you have a, a one club player well he's a one team rider at the moment and i think he's re-signed too just recently so he's obviously really happy where he's at 
with the team and the team are happy with him. And you're right, he has now grown into one of those road captains. Um, so I think he relishes that and he will moving forward and he'll play a really important role. And, of course, he's going to play an important role tonight um, because that is one of his fortes, time trialling. But, you know, you just listen to him and, look, we've all been big fans of him and Gracie... You've probably got to know Luke throughout your career as well with the Green Edge outfit. He's such a likeable guy and I think just such a down-to-earth guy. He's, a, I would imagine if I was racing, he would be the, the the type of person I'd want on my team. And, you know, if you could clone him 10 times, I mean, even better. Completely agree with you, Macca. I think he's probably one of the, the most underrated riders in, in the pro peloton. He's very capable physically. He's a great time trialist and a great team captain on the road. But I think Bike Exchange never want to let him go because he's such a huge part of their DNA. He is an amazing team captain. He's, he's great for the team morale, and I think that's even more important than his leadership skills. He's just really great to have around. He can be lighthearted and, and be really great to mentor some of those younger riders as well as being very professional, and he knows how to get the job done as well, and he, he knows a whole different range of, of bike racing, not just the tours. He's a great classics man as well. So when those stages get a bit nitty-gritty, if it's windy or if it, there's un, something unexpected happening, he's able to keep that cool head and still rally the troops and still keep it all together. So I can't see him really ever leaving that team because I, I just don't see how that they would want to ever let him go. He actually said in the interview, if you watched the, the full interview on the SBS Sport uh, website, he actually says he's not going anywhere, Maka. I know we, you and I have, de have debated it before, but uh, he's been there 11 years and he's happy as, uh, as Larry in this family and he's not going anywhere. That's what he said. Yeah, well, yeah. And look, that, that's great for him. I mean, I, look, I'll, I'll say probably what I've said and I've, I've said it off microphone um, before. There was a period where I thought, you know, maybe it was time for him to move on from that squad. Not because they're not a great team, they are, but I thought maybe he needed a refresh. But when, you, when you're happy in, in your environment, and again, just to repeat what I said, he obviously is, isn't he, because he's re-signed. So good on him and good on the team, and they've, they've got something good there. And, you know, the team as, a, as themselves have sort of got back close towards their best this year. We saw it the two or so. I think they're in for something good here over the next three weeks as well. Yeah, they are definitely uh, targeting a few stages. They are targeting uh, day by day. Uh, actually, let's listen to Durbo again. He talks about the objective of himself and the team. Uh, well, like, I'm team time trial on Friday. That is a really big target for us. Um, I really think we, you know, as a, a, a win could be possible in a top three. You know, that would be a really big, big ride for us, uh, considering the bikes we've had this year and the TTs we've been doing. Uh, we have a good chance to run uh, a, a podium in, on the GC as well with Simon Yates. And I, I think we have ability with a Caden Groves with some stages. So, look, I, we, we really have a lot of good options, um, but we'll just take it a day at a time. I think that's what we've been doing very well this year. We go after the stage, we tick the stage off and we go to the next one. And um, so we're looking at an overall plan of what we're trying to do. But, yeah, pretty much attack every day and, um, and, and, and be in the race. And you're always rewarded when you do this. So I think we have some good options here. It's a real uh, good point here. Super important for, for the team. The team time trial, they all mentioned it. They absolutely all mentioned uh, the team time trial. It's starting today, but it's clearly, clearly an objective for the team. Definitely. The, back in the past, when team time trialing was a 
bigger discipline across tours and also at the world championships bike exchange put a lot of effort into being a great team time trialing team since then we don't see that many team time trials anymore it's a really difficult discipline and it was one that i probably got the most nervous for i'd be completely racked with nerves before any team time trial because it's just a bit scary you don't want to be the weakest link you don't want to make a mistake or, or cause it an incident and that's something we do see sometimes with team time trials is they're so technical that when things go wrong they go wrong pretty badly so fingers crossed that nothing bad happens to any teams in this first stage but it's certainly going to cause a little bit of an upset one way or another it doesn't look super technical uh, but I think that there's going to be a few outcomes that people might not be so happy about and, and other teams might be, you know, taking that big advantage. So we're looking at some of those powerhouse teams of Ineos and Yombo Visma to, to take out that first win. But Bike Exchange is certainly going to be capable to be up there. They've got some great powerhouses in their team. Durbo will be the one that's going to shepherd them through and have that great experience but uh, someone like Kellen O'Brien, he's just an amazing engine coming from the track. And there's quite a few other guys on that team that have got that quite good experience. So they would have done a bit of practice at team camp leading into this tour because it takes a lot of practice and it has a bit of a strategy to it as well of how they order the riders um, because you can blow the team up very quickly if you don't put the riders in the right order. So you're going to mm -hmm. see some teams that didn't put enough practice in uh, really showing about halfway through the race. <laughs> I think there was a time where Jumbo Visma had a bit of a problem actually in the Vuelta Maca a few years ago uh, where Roglic lost, lost, lost a, a bag of time. But uh, talking about the the, uh, the actual tradition of a, of a team time trial, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Maca, but this used to be a tradition at the Vuelta for a long time. I think it's eight or 10 years in a row, they started with a team time trial. It was a way for something like three years, but it's back. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It, it was a tradition and it was a really, it's a great tradition because it's, I mean, like tonight, um, sadly for Australian viewers and for us, well, you and I, Gracie, it's a, it's a late start or an early start, 2.25 a.m. So it's a, it's a twilight sort of start under the, you know, Spanish uh, summer. Um, it's a late start for the teams. It's short. It's only... 23 odd kilometers yeah. but that's how they've done it traditionally a couple of them they've actually done under lights like they did them very late in the in the evening um uh, in darkness but they had the whole course lit up so it's been a it's been a good tradition and again something different something original something original you know different to that sort of set them apart from the Giro and the Tour. If you're watching uh, this uh, this live uh, show, let us know what you think actually about the, uh, the team time trial. I think they are, uh, something, there's something beautiful and dramatic about a team time trial. Uh, let's listen to uh, Lucas Hamilton and his opinion on what's happening today. To be honest, it's the first time I've done a team time trial at a Grand Tour. So I think you have to definitely take certain riders um, that are going to be strong in that event. It's, it's quite a crucial event and it also it's not just a crucial event in terms of GC, but it's one of those events that if you win it as a team, it's, it's pretty special. I've been a part of a couple of triple T wins and, and every time there's not really a, a winning feeling like it. So I think you, uh, you try and bring a team that can do a strong performance in that event, but at the same time, you can't, it's, it's one, one stage of, of 21, but uh, yeah, definitely to, to be honest, I think we're quite excited about it. I think we know that we, we can be quite strong in, in uh in a team time trial so the the way we feel is we're pretty excited to rip into it on friday having the experience of someone like uh, like luke durbridge uh what does that bring to the team in, in in that particular event yeah exactly i think uh 
yeah, team sign trials is one of those things where it's it's not necessarily about being the strongest um, on the day, but it's about being the most uh, well oiled, being the best oiled machine you can be as a group. Um, and guys like Durbo and and Hepburn and these sort of guys, they have so much experience in these events, and they're also you know pretty, um, yeah, pretty. They've grown up doing a lot of these events and sort of pretty strong in them. So I think to have those sort of guys there, it always makes us younger guys a little bit, um, a little bit calmer, but also, you know, they can show us, um, teach us different ways of going about it um, for, for more gains. So that was uh, Lucas Hamilton. There's a there's an era of uh, maturity to uh, Lucas Hamilton as he grows as a, as an older rider. But that's his second uh, Grand Tour for the year. He's done the Giro. Uh, Maka, is it a bit difficult to do two Grand Tours a year? Is it something a little bit special, even if you do the Giro and the Vuelta? Uh, yeah, look, it, it's certainly, yeah, your workload's pretty big, even though they're at the, the big early in the season and at the end. So it gives you that extra gap. Plenty of riders do it. But no, exactly, just to back on your point, Christoph, what you said, Lucas Hamilton, he, he is, he's just talking with maturity and experience and just some little notes he said there, uh, uh, you know, talking about the more experienced guys, um, in particular Luke Durbridge, and, and what they can sort of bring to the table and how they can suddenly sort of broaden your mindset on, okay, oh, we can do this slightly different or I can do this slightly different. So he's in really good hands, Lucas Hamilton, and, and I so want to see him have a, a good three weeks, Gracie. Um, I feel like he's had a rough couple of years. We've talked about him you know, over this, the course of this year and even last year. And I just feel like he, he did deserves a good result and a good ride for the hard work he puts in. Every rider puts in hard work, you know, let's be honest. But uh, I just feel like Lucas Hamilton hasn't got the rewards for the, um, you know, the effort that he's put in. Yeah, I think that we might have, you know, called it a bit too early with Lucas Hamilton as the star of the future, you know, only a few years back and putting a lot of pressure on him. From the fan point of view and from, I guess, the expert point of view, he could be a Grand Tour winner in the future. Um, he's had a, a couple of also rands, I guess, the, the last few years, just tours that didn't quite work in his favour. And, and this year at the Giro, I think we were all expecting a bit more from him. So that gap between the Giro and the Volta is, is quite good to kind of recon reconsolidate and to work into what you think you needed to fix from the, that tour. But it's... Wow, six weeks of daily back-to-back -back racing in a year, let alone all of the other races they do. That is a big workload. So I'm interested to see how he can back up in this welter and if this is a better tour for him because they're all kind of a little bit different as well and some Grand Tours just suit riders better than others and I think the welter does suit some riders better than the Tour or the Giro does. So maybe Hamilton will have his, you know, bit more luck at the welter instead. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, let's listen to him again. Uh, he talks to us about the, the target for the whole tour and, of course, the uh, team time trial as well. For me personally, I'd, I'd like to, uh, you know, I'd like to try and get a, a stage result or, or something like that along the way. Um, we have a great group of guys here with, um, you know, Caden and Simon, who obviously will be great uh, assets to have in on a different range of days. But, yeah, I think I think the team time trial for number one is... I'm really excited about it. I think uh, we'll give the best crack we can and to do that with all the boys would be pretty special. But yeah, for me personally, I'd like to get, you know, a stage, stage result somewhere along the way and sort of, you know, be, uh, 
big crucial part of you know trying to help uh, Simon do his thing. You all mentioned the team time trial, so he must be the target for the for the for the for the welder. You all no, I, the- I, I think it's just the forefront of our minds at the moment. It's 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 the first stage, and and uh, yeah, like I don't know how many other guys have done grand tours with team time trials, but yeah, I think everyone, I think all teams will be thinking, you know, if we could win this with with the whole team, yeah, it'd be pretty special. So let's see how we go. And Gracie, actually one point here I wanted to to, uh, to come back on is is the idea of winning as a team. We always say cycling is a, is a team sport practice individually, but this is the event where you have uh, an event where you are together. Uh, how important is this if you finish top three for the morale of the team? It's huge. I've been part of successful team time trials back when I was racing and I can definitely reiterate what the guys are saying and how special and different it is compared to other races. So when you do get it right, it feels so good in the moment. Like you just know when you're out on the road that you, you're getting it right and you're going to post a pretty quick time. And then when the results finally do get finalized, when that last team comes in and you're you know, in that top three or, or have won it, it's it's incredible and you get to celebrate together. So cycling is such an interesting sport in so many ways, but that team element uh, where everyone has to help one rider to win, but they, they don't get to get the chance to stand on that podium and you get to stand on the podium as a full team if you've won a team's time trial and it's just that little bit sweeter. Um, so I, I really hope that the bike exchange team can get on the top step, but I reckon they'll be definitely top five, if not top three. Yeah, I think the target is definitely a top three. We'll pause a little bit on uh, on bike exchange and we'll come back to them. Uh, okay, there are so many Aussies uh, in this race and uh, let's talk first of all about Jai Hindley. Uh, he's won the Giro. Is he coming here as a bit of a favourite, Maka? He has to, doesn't he? He's, the, he's, he's one of the riders in form for 2022, you know. There's only three Grand Tours in, in any year, as we know, and he's, he's nailed one of them. Um, yes, he does. To me, he comes as a favourite. He starts as one of the favourites. I think there's a few favourites, um, not to mention Primoz Roglic, who's won the last three editions. So he's... He's going for a record, believe it or not, um, four in a row. It's never been done at the Vuelta. But for Jai, I think he comes here, you know, fresh in the mind, fresh in the legs. He hasn't – we haven't seen too much of him, have we, since since the Giro, which I think is a good thing. So I think he comes here, you know, ready to go. And, um, and, and in some ways, you know, I think I didn't sort of debate it, but I discussed it with Matty Keenan um, a few days ago. Does he come here with pressure, Gracie, or does he not? Does he come here with zero pressure because he's already won a Grand Tour? Um, yes, he wants to go well, but if he doesn't win, I don't think it's, you know, the team aren't going to be upset with him. He's, he's already handed them one Grand Tour this year and their their first victory uh, in a Grand Tour in Bora Hansgrohe. So... I think he comes here with nothing to lose. I completely agree with you, Maka. No pressure at all. It's just pressure from himself. I know that he's certainly going to give it a crack and he's he's not going to be putting socks on any centipedes at this tour either. <laughs> um, but the, it's I think it's an interesting play by the Bora Hansgrohe team. And, and I'll put the question back to you, Maka, is having three GC cards to play, is that too many? I think that it could, you know, I'm not sure if that's going to play out really well. I think they've got Kelderman and Higita in the Bora team. So I think they're just going to see what happens in that first week and then decide from there. But 
I don't know if that's ever the best way forward. Um, I think you do have to have plan B, but I don't know if you should have three plan A's. <laughs> what do well, you think? yeah, no, I'm all for it because it worked for them at the Giro, didn't it? Remember, they had Calderman and yeah. they had Bookman. And, and, and look, and you can, and more recently, let's talk about Ineos with Garrett Thomas. Um, they started with three, three GC guys at this year's tour with Carapaz and I'm missing the third one. Um, but they, they started with three. I think it's how you manage it. And Gracie, you know, <laughs> probably better than me. You're more, way more recent than I am in the pro peloton. It's how the management manage it, isn't it? And and the riders as, as well. They've got to trust each other. They've got to back each other in. And at some point, you've got to be honest with yourself, don't you? And 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 if you're feeling great, you've got to put your hand up and tell the team. And if you're not, you've also got to say, hey. I'm no good on this climb. It's time I switch to support role. So I think Bora, they've proven they could do that at the Giro. They got the win. I think I think, um, I think, they'll manage it well. Yeah, absolutely. There's also, uh, in the Aussies, there's a Luc Plap starting for uh, Ineos. Uh, interesting choice as well. Uh, very young rider and very young rider for a team like Ineos. Uh, let's listen to him. He, he spoke to Jamie from our team. He's got questions about the team time trial. Okay, one question that I've always wondered about. Uh, with a team time trial, how do you decide who's first over the line if you're in with a shot of taking that first uh, leader's jersey? Uh, we haven't spoke about that actually, mate. It's, uh, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. I think there's a way where you go for the stage wing or you ride for GC in this team time trial. And that's something that we're not sure about either. Like, obviously you can have guys do peelers, but we've got four or five guys that can be up there on GC. So obviously you don't want to lose them. Uh, so it will be interesting how we play it. Uh, we haven't, haven't really organized that yet. Um, yeah, I, I'm not sure to be honest, mate. I really don't know how we're going to, how we're going to play that. Um, because yeah, it's quite technical at the start and you don't want your eighth rider going into the barriers do you early on. So it's whether we uh, protect GC a bit early on and don't try to lose it or, or, we, or we do some peelers early on and, and go for the win. So I'm not sure what way they're planning to go, but probably just hold haters wheel or, or race, I reckon, and see what happens. I think we'll see you probably breaking the wind at some stage, uh, but <laughs> we'll see how you go. Um, and finally, I mean, what are you most looking forward to out of, that, out of the race? Um, what do you think you'd be looking back back on afterwards and saying, yeah, I'm pretty proud of that or, you know, that was the experience? Hopefully getting through the three weeks, to be honest, mate. Like uh, doing every race I've done this year, the the week-long tours, like I, I've come out of them quite fatigued and that's just, I haven't had the racing the last few years. So I really like just to get through the first the, the three weeks. That'd be massive. Um, and yeah, I think just being able to offer something as well to the team and not just be groveling through those three weeks. I think the first week for sure I'll, I'll be fine, but it's more that second and third week actually being out of office something rather than just holding on for dear life. Um, yeah, I, I honestly just don't know what to expect. So that was uh, Luke Plapp here with uh, our good friend uh, Jamie on the, on the microphone. Uh, Maka, do you think he's, honestly, Ineos, they haven't thought about it or Luke Plapp just didn't read the email? No, I think I think he's being completely honest there. Um, I, I think they will. They'll 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 have a team meeting, you know, the morning of or, or well now I should say. <laughs> Hopefully they've had the team meeting now about how, how they're going to do it. But look, I love what he says there. And Gracie, I, I reckon he's he's hit it on the head, hasn't he? He wants to get through the three weeks and he wants to be able to um, play a role sort of in that second or third week. And already, Lucas Plapp, has, he's finding his way, isn't he, in the pro peloton. He's realising how tough it is at this top echelon. 
But I love how he says that. He just wants to be a valuable player. And on a team like Ineos, gee, if you can be valuable to that team, well, you're going to keep your contract, aren't you? I think this is an amazing opportunity for Lucas. He's just going to thrive, I think, in this Grand Tour. I think he's been learning so much this year. It's such a great opportunity to go to Ineos for the year. He's been wearing that national champions jersey. He's brimming with talent but he's just so young still but such a sponge and I think that he's got that great attitude that he doesn't seem to have airs or graces he's doesn't have high expectations but he's hungry and he wants to just try his best and learn from the best and what better place to do it than you know one of those best teams in the world and have been for a very long time so I think we're going to see some really exciting rides from him for the three weeks I think he's going to surprise us and is going to surprise himself but I think that he's got a big job to do with looking after some of those guys and it really starts at day one like he said all he has to do is hold those wheels and they're pretty hard wheels to follow Maka so (laughs) you know I'm really excited for him he he actually bought a pair of aero time trial booties off me when he was a junior and he was just so (laughs) excited to get a bit of protein kit and now he's same size yeah, he, now he's the one that's going to be giving that stuff away because he'll have boatloads of it from Ineos and, and he's already a hero to the, the next young generation. Mm. So it, this is just the beginning for him. And yeah, I, I think that it's going to be a really great tour for him. And you're right, in Gracie, when you when you know he says in this interview uh, he hasn't had much riding for the last couple of years, but what an incredible couple of years he had. I mean, when you when you think back to you know the the Tour Down Under when Richie sort of tapped him or tapped the team in the shoulder, saying, "Hey, this guy is pretty awesome," and uh, you know it's, it just uh, shows you what is possible today. For sure, and Maka, you would have had a few people along the way helping you it doesn't actually happen that often that someone mm. older comes along and notices you because everyone's it's it's not anyone's fault that you're not doing it wrong it's just as an athlete you're so focused on yourself and your career and stuff so if there's an an older rider someone like Richie who's got a bit of sway in those top levels of cycling and is taking that time to to look around and say oh this kid's got something let's let's have a look that's changed his whole career, hasn't it? And, yeah. and I just really hope that that keeps happening. Um, I think, you know, we've got a few great Aussie pros. We talked about Durbo earlier. I'm sure he's, you know, seen a few, bit of talent in his time now that he's not so young anymore. And it doesn't take much for for the older pros to mentor that next generation and to, and to see if there's any opportunities for them. And Lucas Platt, he's, he's got the talent. He's got the everything that you need yeah. to be in the world tour but sometimes you just need that opportunity and it came along so <laughs> i think that he's not wasting a minute of it i was just going to say incidentally i mean it's it's a good time to mention the fact that we've got 16 australians lining up i think it's a record at the vuelta it's yeah. it's either equal or it's only one or two off the record that we've had at the giro um so there's the the proof is in the pudding isn't it um we've got these aussies lining up here and a few of them we've barely heard too much about and knew the fans at home. Some of these Aussies that you'll hopefully get to hear about over the next three, three, next three weeks, you haven't heard too much about so far. But this is their platform now. And you're spot on, Gracie. I think the more Durbos and Richie Ports, and there'll be a few others as well, that begin to open the doors for the next gen coming through. And it's happening, like we say. And it's the same in the women. You know, I think we're going to see it start happening in the women as well and with the Aussie women 
um, it's a really good time in our sport. We mentioned there's a, there's a bunch of Aussies that are starting their first Grand Tour ever. Uh, one that we mentioned just by name, but let's hear from him. Uh, it's Kellen O'Brien. Is uh, about to start his, uh, his first Grand Tour here. First year as a professional with Bike Exchange. Uh, let's listen to him uh, how he is apprehending the, uh, the the first start of his first Grand Tour. It's it's for sure a dream of mine to to be a part of the Grand Tours and and with this team, it's it's special and. I mean, hopefully it's it's uh, a step in the right direction and, you know, bigger and better things coming in the future for me. But yeah, I mean, like I said, it's a, it's an experience and, and I'm ready to soak it all up. So what, what what is different from a Grand Tour than any other races you've done so far in the preparation, in the lead up, since you had the tap on the shoulder and, you know, you were going to do the Vuelta, what's been the preparation, what's been the difference in the preparation to any other, you know, one day races or other races that you may have done? Yeah, I mean, well, obviously it's it's over three weeks, and um, I mean, for me this year everything has kind of been new. Uh, my first year as a professional, but yeah, I guess I guess the ma majority of the difference is just the length, and and you know, three weeks away from home and 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 racing every day, and uh, the preparation. I mean, it's it's a little bit different, but for me, uh, my role within the team is is similar to any other race, so uh, I've prepared in a similar way and. Um, yeah, I'm hoping uh, I'm hoping it's all going to work out pretty well. So that was uh, Kellen O'Brien. Uh, Maka, you've started a Grand Tour yourself, uh, so you, you have been through this experience. Um, what was it like for you and what are these guys about to experience in this lead up, this next few hours where the Grand Tour, after weeks of preparation, is about to start? Uh, well, I think each ride is different. But look, to be really fair and really honest, it's changed so much since I did my Grand Tour. I mean, we're talking 20 years, mate. <laughs> it's a long time. But, um, you know, and what I mean by that too is you listen to Cullen O'Brien then and he talks about his role and he said, my role will be similar to any other race. So I think the sport has become so much more sort of professionalised. Each rider, you know, knows their role, knows what they're, they're meant to do. Um, in each stage, you know, each stage will be dissected for them. They, you know, the cliche saying you take it one day at a time, they do that, but they'll have a real definitive role to play. Um, they'll have butterflies. Callum O'Brien will. Look, he's raced on the world stage on the track. Uh, as he said, he's, he's a Neo Pro this year, but the Grand Tour is a big deal and there'll be butterflies. And for a team's time trial, probably for someone like him, he'll feel a little bit more at home, Gracie, because of his track background. It's a bit like a team pursuit, isn't it? And Callan O'Brien, as we know, has got one of the biggest young engines, if you like, uh, in the peloton. So I think he'll actually feel um, quite comfortable and he'll actually be one of the leaders in tonight's team time trial for bike exchange because of the, the ability and the strength that he's got. For sure. I think there's a lot of riders that are happy that this is starting with the team time trial. As I was saying before, it's a completely nerve wracking. It's a scary uh, style of racing, but for some, they'll love it. And, and all of these track riders are going to be reveling in that first stage and using their skills to the, the fullest. And Kellen will definitely be one of them. So no doubt he'll be one of the last guys to one of the first guys, I should say, to, to cross the line for bike exchange. Um, 
be interesting to see if they've talked about who's going to cross the line mm. first because if I could give any advice to teams it's make sure you talk about it because you could end up having a bit of an argument at the end which has happened to me before in a couple of teams um, but we won't talk about that um, <laughs> please elaborate <laughs> well sometimes it's not just the leaders jersey that's up for grabs it's other jerseys too so if you're not the 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 winning team, the team that comes second may, maybe takes the green jersey for the first rider to cross the line and so uh -huh. on. So yeah. uh, depending on what tour you're in and how many jerseys are up for grabs, it's it's still worthwhile talking about so someone doesn't get a bit annoyed. If it's a windy tour in Holland, you want to be starting on the front line wearing a nice special jersey. So, uh, <laughs> But I think, I think yeah. it might not be as important for these races, although we are in Holland for mm. the, the two yes. following stages could be crosswinds it's not really the season for it but let's not get ahead of ourselves too much but i am <laughs> i'm always hoping for crosswinds <laughs> uh, if we talk about holland we've got to talk about the the team jumbo visma they've been you know, dominant for so many years uh, they've of course won the the, the tour de france uh, with Vingegaard. how do they look maca coming in into this uh, this this uh, this vuelta you mentioned primos roglic outright favorite going for the record uh, how is he looking how is he feeling uh, he had a let's say he had a rubbish tour de france didn't do as much as he wanted to do uh, is it redemption land for him the vuelta seems a bit yeah yeah look i think so i think yeah he wants to get something out of this of course he crashed um you know fractured his vertebrae in the end and uh, at the tour so he's recovered he's not 100% but he's saying he's good. Robert Gessink, one of his teammates, is saying Primoz wouldn't turn up if he's not ready to go. So they're upbeat, but they're always going to be. You're not going to be at the opening press conference say, listen, I'm 50%, I'm, I'm, yeah. <laughs> you know, when you're the defending champion of the last three years. So to me, he's not the outright favourite, though, Grassi, um, or Christoph. To me, he's one of the favourites, but to me, I'm, I've still got a question mark over how he's pulled up from the tour and as I said he withdrew early but I don't think he's in the dominant form that he's been in in previous in the previous three editions at the Vuelta so which I like I like it that I think I think we've got a real battle on our hands uh, between a number of riders to win this year's Vuelta. Yeah Gracie? I agree I think that I don't know if he will be able to rise to the occasion and take out that fourth Vuelta win um, I think that the pressure is on him more so than it is as we were talking about with Jai. I think he will definitely have that pressure because of that disappointing Tour de France. Um, and Jumbo Visma want the win as well. It's important for them. I was actually feeling a bit sorry for his right-hand man, Sepp Kuz, I saw there riding towards the team presentation. He did the whole Tour de France, so he's going to be pretty tired. I don't, he's going to need some good backup as well. And there's not necessarily big mountains in this Volta, so it's it's a strategic game as much as it is a physical game for this final Grand Tour of the year. And I think it's really important to everyone for everyone in the team to be solid and and going to the Bora Hansgrohe debate too it's kind of like it's it's not necessarily about who's the best climber in this tour I think it's about how well a team can come together and be cohesive around their leaders or or single leader so for Roglic I, I'm not sure will yet to be seen I think we'll know more in week two 
Um, but yeah, I agree. I think there's other riders that are going to be more interesting to watch. It's it's quite wide open. There's a, some great GC riders at this race. Mm. As I was saying, there's no massive mountains to really decide, you know, who's the clear favorite and um, someone like uh, Carapaz or Almeida can come to the fore if they've got some really good team support around them. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but for Young Bovisma, there are two Aussies in this team. There's, uh, of yeah. course, uh, Ron Dennis, uh, who switched from Ineos to, uh, to Young Bovisma famously, but there's also Chris Harper. Uh, let's listen to him. Ah, yeah, pretty good. Uh, first time I'm doing the Volta, so yeah, I'm excited. We're obviously here with uh, Primoz, the defending champion as well, which makes it a little bit more special in starting in the Netherlands in a, uh, in a Dutch team. So yeah, really looking forward to it. Ah, just to support Primoz as much as possible and yeah, we'll just see day by day what, what the role is for me. Yeah, but yeah, just uh, we're all in for Primoz for Red. Chris Harper, Gracie, all in for, for Primoz Roglic, uh, is, is in the support role. Definitely, I think most of that team is going to be in the support role for Roglic. Um, but I think that they're the favourites to win the team time trial. I think that they're going to be tough to beat. I think Ineos... And Jumbo Visma are really going to set the bar, but um, I think Chris Harper's could be one for a, a more of an intermediate stage. He's a fantastic climber. He does always really well at the national championships. He's really good at that dynamic racing with lots of shorter, but a lot of total vertical meters in, in the day. And I think there's a lot of stages that are going to suit him at this falter. So potentially he could get given the free reign if Primos is not having the tour that he's going to be hoping for. And someone like Chris Harper could capitalize on that later in the tour and, and go in those breakaways or days when it's just really hard and selective. So you never know, someone like Chris Harper could, could walk away with a stage win as well. There's a, there's a few uh, other subjects we have to talk about today. Uh, and first one is our good old friend, uh, Nairo Quintana, that has failed a, a medical test. Uh, that's what uh, the wording is from the UCI. Uh, uh, Maka, what do we know about this story? We know that he will not be at the start of the Vuelta. Yeah, and look, it's it's one of those things you hope you never have to talk about, but it's happened, and I think it would be remiss of us if we don't discuss it. So he's tested positive for tremadol. Um, don't ask me too much about that stimulant or drug because I don't know a lot about it. Um, Grace, you and I were discussing it before we came live what we do know is that it's a bit of a grey area. Um, he, he's been disqualified from the Tour de France, but he, he's allowed to race again. So it's his team and himself that have taken him out of the start line of the Vuelta. But it's not like he's suspended, but he is going to fight this, this um, positive test, if you like, because I guess he wants to clear his name. He wants to say, listen, my name's been tarnished and I'm actually clean. Um, Gracie, I'm not sure if you can add too much more to that, but yeah, it is a bit of a grey area, isn't it? Yeah, I'm not really sure if it's been lost in translation in some of his statements in that he has said that he believes he didn't take it at all and that he's not sure why it was found in his blood tests or if, you know, some of his words were, you know, not translated correctly. It's pretty hard for a drug like that to be accidentally in your system. It's uh, not a stimulant, it's a painkiller and a very strong one at that. I believe it's in the opioid family and it has been abused by athletes um, for a number of years and it's not necessarily a performance enhancer as we would think about 
some particular drugs that have you know come to the fore especially in cycling unfortunately but it does it can enhance your performance in some ways because of its huge pain killing i guess uh, effects that it has on your body and in a in the sense of a grand tour that is quite a big advantage if you if you're able to you know feel better i guess but in terms of rider safety it's it's not just about you know what's fair and what's not it's also being put on that you know watch list and that um banned list even though it doesn't come with a sanction because it's it's really dangerous to take it um consistently for a rider so it's the the uci and wada are really trying to take care of the welfare of athletes because it's addictive and mm. it, it has long-term health effects so it's it's something that they're trying to banish from the peloton for for plenty of reasons so it's it's sad that we can see this at a top level with, with someone with such a high profile um, and it's interesting how it's playing out but he needs to take that time and he wouldn't be able to focus fully on another grand tour if he was going through um, a court or an arbit arbitration process and it, it takes time to collect all that information and go to the hearings and and all of that sort of stuff so i'm not quite sure what he's wanting to get out of it uh mm. i don't think that he'll be able to claim that it was a mistake and he could be really just wasting in his energy where he should just cop it and say that he did the wrong thing and and move on yeah and then there's an issue with the team as well because the team just signed him for another few years as well on the probably on the results is given at the, at the Tour de France. So therefore, you know, a bit of question mark. I'm the journalist here, I'm stirring it. It's uh, a tricky it's, uh, situation. Yeah. yeah, it's a tricky situation, isn't it, uh, for them? Um, on, on, on a much uh, better news, uh, Amanda Spratt, uh, Gracie, signed in for a new team. Uh, new adventure, new era, new everything for Amanda. Big news. Amanda Spratt, who has been part of the, the bike exchange family, the Green Edge family, since it's big very beginning she was there the year before I started the veteran of the team and team captain for many years is finally moving on she's going to Trek Segafredo and and from what I've been hearing along the the pipelines is they're building a, a, a more of a climbing specific team and she definitely fits the bill for that she's one of not just Australia's best climbers but one of the world's best climbers when she's been at her best so she's been coming back into some good form after struggling with that um iliac artery surgery that she had late last year and I know that she's really looking forward to the world championships she didn't have the Tour de France that she was hoping for unfortunately bit of bad luck there but I know that she's really looking forward to a new challenge and a new team and it would be really difficult for her to say goodbye to her family that be is you know the Green Edge family the bike exchange team she's had some amazing years there some amazing memories made and connections made and she's it's brave though I think and it's it's important to take the right step for you and not stay just purely out of loyalty so I know that the person that she'd probably be most loyal to would it would be Jerry and a lot of riders feel the same he's done so much for that team and mm. and to put more money into the next three years to keep the team alive is absolutely amazing we haven't seen many private sponsors like that stay on for so long so I know if, for Amanda Spratt, it would be really difficult to say goodbye, but I think that she knows she's at that point in her career where she doesn't necessarily have many years left and she'd like to, to try something new, learn from some new people and take some different opportunities. But it begs the question though, uh, to both of you, uh, that team has been, you know, 
ripped out of their main riders for you retired, Gracie. Grace Brown went away. Amanda Sprite is going away. They're losing lots of the iconic uh, riders in that team. How do you rebuild this, Gracie? Oh, good question. Um, it's natural. I think a lot of teams go through that process of um, building up to, to being one of the top teams and having some of the best, best names and then having some riders move on. But they're, they're still building a really nice team with other riders and, and namely some of those track riders that have been coming across. My personal favourite and uh, successful rider so far this year has been Alex Manley. She's been in the track program for a long time, but she's managed to juggle the road cycling since she was quite young in the bike exchange team. I got to race with her for many years and now she's just that little bit older. She's come away from that track program and pretty much just focused on road all of this year and been really successful. She won the Touring and Tour in Germany, which was a 1.1 level. And she just got her first mm. World Tour win at the Tour of Scandinavia. And this is just the beginning for Alex. Mm -hmm. They've got some other great talent in that team. Georgia Baker swept the Commonwealth Games golds. So I think she got three gold medals across different categories of cycling, which is absolutely amazing. Um, and, and that's just the Aussie riders. They've got some great talent there coming from abroad as well and the American Kristen Faulkner I guess will be taking Amanda Spratt's role as their GC rider. So much to, uh, to, to yet to come as well from, from that team. And before we finish because we've been going on for 50 minutes uh, Maka we never really do. Uh, it's just a big catch-up <laughs> isn't it? It's, a, it's <laughs> one big happy catch-up. <laughs> Have a coffee on me you know, no yeah. problem. Uh, but one last comment because we both love Patrick Lefebvre, uh, love hate, you know, depend uh, where, where, where you see Who loves him? <laughs> Uh, but he came out with a comment uh, overnight saying, I don't pay Julien Alaphilippe to become world champion. So he wants him to perform at the Vuelta and he will not take a known performance at the Vuelta. And he said you can hide uh, saying that he's prepared for his world championship last year at the Tour de France. Well, he shouldn't do it again. Uh, is that a warning sign for someone like Alaphilippe? Uh, I think Lefebvre like, likes playing games with, um, via the media, doesn't he, with his riders. Look, he keeps them on their toes and he's, you know, Alaphilippe, uh, I don't think, I don't think you, wanna, you wanna, want to um, um, sort of give any warnings to Alaphilippe because he's such a classy rider. He will race at the Vuelta and I will say right now there's every chance he will win a stage and probably do more than that. So... I think Lefebvre, sometimes that's where he lets himself down, to be honest. Um, it's old school sort of tactics, you know, managing tactics, um, going via the media, like say it to your riders behind closed doors. So it's just another example of Lefebvre playing these games. We saw the way it played out with Sam Bennett. And I thought, frankly, that was quite disgraceful from uh, Lefebvre. You shouldn't put your athletes in, in that uncomfortable position within a team. Um, so to do it against the class of Alaphilippe, I think, you know. Especially the comment, the comment further along says, uh, it's okay if I pay you 70,000, but not if I pay you six figures. Yeah, uh, so and it's, it's as if, it's as almost as if he's sort of insinuating that Alaphilippe yeah. is coming to the Vuelta not to race it hard, when of right. course he is. I think any fan or any expert, you know, the three of us are presuming, and I think we're going to be right, that Alaphilippe will be racing full gas from day one, and he'll play a real team role as well. He, he's such a, 
you know, he's such a, a dynamic and classy rider on and off the bike. So give the guy a bit of respect. You know, don't, don't go buy a cheap newspaper. Thank you, Maka. Thank you. <laughs> oh, how's the love? How's the love I'm giving you? All the I way know, from just, Australia. I just wanted to finish on a good note. I just wanted to finish on a good note. <laughs> hey, can we finish on one other really nice note? Um, Movistar are changing the colour of their jersey from that beautiful blue that we've got to know over the years to basically the white backdrop with the, with the M uh, logo, and they're doing it for one man, Alejandro Valverde. It's his, effectively his last, well, it's his last season. It's about to say his last race. It won't be. He's 42. He won the race, are you ready for it, in 2009. 2009. Think about that for a second. The guy is a freak. I've become to love him more and more as he's raced his career. So it's his last welter. And what a thing from the, the company itself um, to say, and when I say company, I mean the sponsor, Movi, start to say, let's change the colour of the jersey for this guy, for the Vuelta España. Of course, he's Spanish. It's a, it's a nice touch. Yeah, I love it. I think having special jerseys for special reasons is is really great. It's, it's good for the team. I think it's when you're a rider in a team that gets to wear something different, it's a good talking point at the start and you, you just ride with a little bit extra on your shoulders. But for someone like him, he, he'd have fans within the peloton. I, knew, I know that if you saw him in the TV compound, Macca, you'd want to run up and get a photo. Totally. I'm sure there's a heap of, <laughs> totally. heap of riders in the peloton that are going to be coming up alongside him in the race going, man, yeah. you, were, you were my hero back in the day and now I'm here. So, you know, yeah. he's left a huge legacy there. He's a very entertaining rider. He's a great teammate too. He's, he's set up plenty of great victories for some of his teammates along the way. So no doubt he's going to be doing everything he can to make it a bit of a fairy tale ending. Not sure if he'll be able to get any stage wins, but he's capable of it and he's, mm. he's very classy. So fingers crossed that we can see something special for him. Yeah, absolutely. And it's all going to be played on SBS, of course, uh, every stage live on SBS. Uh, it's a bit of a late one tonight. We know we don't make the schedule. We're sorry about this, but actually, are we sorry about it? I'm not sure. Uh, but this is, the, <laughs> this is the schedule as it is, but it gets a lot more, more civilized uh, along the way. So I'm sure you will be enjoying it. And Maka, I think you are commentating as well on, on some of them. Yes, I am. I'll be doing sort of midweek stages, if you like, the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So looking forward to them. So actually, the Tuesday will be the first stage back in Spain uh, post the rest day after the first three days in, in the Netherlands. So looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Gracie, as well. And uh, we see you both uh, tomorrow, same place, same time uh, for the Zwift SBS Cycling Podcast. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Gracias. Thanks for listening to the SBS Falter Espana podcast with Zwift. After five weeks on the road at the Tour and no riding, I'm seriously playing some fitness catch-up with Walter Inspiration. To help with my motivation, I've set myself a target of finding a team and getting involved with the Zwift Racing League. Round one starts on the 13th of September and goes to the 18th of October. One race per week for six weeks. Whether you're just starting out on your fitness journey or like me getting back into things, or you're a six watts per kilo monster, you'll find a level of racing to suit. So if you're up for the fun cycling challenge, dive in and start riding with a free seven day trial at Zwift.com and find your ZRL team or register if you're all ready to go by Sunday, the 11th of September. Hopefully I'll see you on the start line soon. Ride on.